Welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and we continue our series of podcasts talking about the man, book signings, thoughts on the book, and who knows what else we'll get into. Um, joining me tonight is a wonderful Bruce Bud. Amy, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, I am so happy. I, I have been wanting to talk to you for the longest time. Why don't you introduce yourself to our fine listening audience? Okay. Um, my name is Amy Cavanaugh, and um, I live in Florida. And um, but I was born in New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey. Born on September 23rd, same day as Bruce. So. Ooh, nice. Where, um, well, like I've got an extra, extra connection to him. And I have been a fan since um, Born to Run came out. Born to Run came out. Um, I was a senior in high school. And um, it just touched my, it just touched every fiber of my being. And um, really, there's been no looking back. And I always tell my family, I'm like, Bruce Springsteen is the only person who's always been there for me. And he <laughs> truly has. He truly, truly has. Um, whether he knows it or not, um, he has just always, um, you know, been there for the good times and for the not so good times. All right. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. We always like to start out with a little bit of history. So talk to me about growing up. Um, where, what kind of music did your family listen to? What did you like in high school? And then kind of, um, you know, we'll go into um, how you discovered Bruce and you've kind of touched that a little bit, but we'll get a little more in depth. Okay, perfect. Well, I was fortunate that I grew up 20 minutes outside of New York City. So uh-huh. music was a huge music was a huge part of my life. Um, I was influenced. I had cousins who were older, and so they um, turned me on to things like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and um, and things like that. But then once I got into high school, music was a huge part of my life, and I would go to I would go to a lot of um, a lot of concerts. Um, in Madison Square Garden, you know, large ones in Madison Square Garden. There was also, we were probably like 15 minutes from Capitol Theater in um, Passaic and um, went to a lot of concerts there, you know, both like things like the Stones and Led Zeppelin and, you know, the big acts, but then also like when the Eagles were, um, Eagles were coming up and Jackson Brown and um, that sort of folky rock really, um, appealed to me. I remember we were going on vacation. I was I guess I was twelve when Woodstock was going on. Yeah. And um we were driving past Woodstock on going on a family vacation up in the mountains and I was just mesmerized by uh, mesmerized by the whole thing. 
So um, a huge record collection, just listening to them over and over and over again. And um, huge part, it was a huge part of, um, high, it was a huge part of high school. But like I said earlier, Bruce, I was not familiar with um, you know, Greetings from Asbury Park and um, Wild the Innocent in the East Street. I was not, I found out about those after, after, after Born the fact, to Run yeah. came out. Born to Run came out, you know, the um, right when I was graduating from high school. And that was when I first found out about Bruce. And then I went, then I went backwards. But interestingly, the first time I ever saw Bruce was not in New Jersey, but it was um, in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I went to college in Jacksonville, Florida. And mm-hmm. the show, it was in March of 1977. Um, it's the show that's Jacksonville and my father's place. And that was really exciting because um, when we got there, someone, you know, who I now know would have been like the men in black, but this was back in 1977. I didn't have any idea what was going on. They gave us two folding chairs to put in front of the front row. And... Um, during she's the one who jumped off the stage and danced with me. So that oh, brought us wow. even how long so, ago? You know, uh, how long that ago was, was that? That was 1977. So it was wow. 30, 39 years ago. I used to say, oh, Courtney Cox wasn't even born yet, but she's pretty <laughs> old too. But oh, yeah, that's was, awesome. Um, yeah, it was quite. It was quite something. It was quite something. It was quite something. Mm-hmm. It was, it was quite something. So, well, you know, um, Amy, you. You've kind of talked, uh, you can tell you have a, a wonderful love of music and a diverse amount of music. Um, I saw in your timeline you're going to see Brian Wilson coming up. And so, and we could yeah. have. I used to go to South by Southwest every year. In fact, tomorrow night I'm going to see Jason Isbell. Oh, um, and I've nice. known him from when he was a little kid. I remember one year at South by Southwest when drive by truckers were just getting started. Yeah. Um, he, um, I don't even think he was 21 yet. I mean, he was just, he was just a, he, he was, was a just a kid and yeah. And, and they were, um, and, and they were still like driving themselves around in a, um, mm-hmm. in a van and things like that. I remember I, um, bought him a bunch of beers and, um, gave her a bunch of cigarettes cause he was, um, he was just a broke little kid, so I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about seeing that, and I love to go to South by Southwest in like the late um, 1990s and the yeah. early 2000s before it got super big. And I loved finding um, finding new bands, and you know, also all sorts of all sorts of music. And that was the great thing about South by Southwest is you know, yeah, you see Japanese pop music or um, you know, we saw Nora Jones playing in a Starbucks, and I mean, just all sorts of stuff. It was great. it was great, great fun. You know, um, Austin is a great music city. Um, it is. It has does not feel like Texas whatsoever. Except- oh, yeah, it's a fabulous city. It's all the all the um, all the venues there. Um, the Continental Club and all those places. They, I really, I love, I love Austin. Yeah, I love Austin. Yeah. Um. So, with all this love for music, what what made Bruce special? What made Bruce a little bit more than the rest? 
Well, there was, you know, there was the connection. There was the connection because he was from New Jersey. I remember when I first went to college, my roommate was from Florida. And she turned me on to Jimmy Buffett, and I turned her on to Bruce Springsteen. So there was certainly the connection from being from New Jersey and then also, of course, having having the same birthday. But I'm pretty introspective and um, and fairly empathic by nature. And um, his music really appeals to that part of me. I just loved how he could... Um, the character develop the character development and um and just the the lyric the lyrics the lyrics as well as the fact that it was just um at its um and its roots it just was like old time rock and roll so it was very there was always there was always something very nostalgic about the music itself but then um just the fantastic character development. I was a psychology and sociology major in college, so that really appealed to me. All you know, just um, the scenarios and the characters that um, he would bring to life in his music. You still there? I'm sorry. So, Amy. How many times have you seen him perform? Um, I think it's up. I think it's up in the one sixties now. I kind of lost. I kind of lost. I kind of lost track. Um, you know, because I would go back and I would go back and forth from New Jersey, so I would see him all. The, I would see him all the time when um, he played in New Jersey, and all the times that he would play in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then all through the years. But then, when I really started racking up the numbers, was um, in the reunion tour because the reunion tour. I was just at a point in my life when um, I had sufficient disposable income. My kids were old enough that right. Um, I, and I was um, a single mother, so that was my that was my big escape. My parents would come up and um, and watch. I, I went. I can't even remember how, but I went to Fargo. I went to the Fargo show. I went to um, California several times. Um, at the time, I was living in New York, so I went to a lot of the Meadowlands shows. The reunion tour, I probably went to. A, over 50 shows Wow! during the reunion tour. And it became very social. It became very social. In fact, when I met you in, um, I met you at the Louisville show, um, outside of the family at the Louisville show, and I was telling right. you when um, he came to Albany, that was in November of 1999. I had this huge party at my house. And mm-hmm. I had, it was that was back when everybody was like on the AOL board. And um, there was a couple of other um, message boards. It was pre-Facebook. And I had like 200 people come to my house. And um, I had a big piece of property. And we had a big barbecue all day before the, um, before the show. And it was really fantastic. It was really um, wonderful for all these people to finally... Um, to finally meet each other and spend some quality time together, not just like, you know, a couple of beers before, before the show. Um, and actually there was like three couples that three couples met at this, at this party. One of them, um, 
actually got married. One couple actually, my friends Greg and Marilyn, they actually they actually met at the party and um, got married a couple of years later. So um, that was real. So it became that's, very social as well. It became that's very um, cool. Yeah, it was. It was a, the party was a lot of fun. We had a, a you know, and I was living in Albany. It was the Albany show, so it was only like three hours from Canada. So a lot of people came down from a lot of people came down from Canada, from um, Ontario and um, Quebec, and um, we actually even had a um, U.S. Canadian um, street hockey game because my son was real into hockey. So that was really one of the um, that was really one of the highlights of my fandom was being able to host all these people at my house. Mm -hmm. It was really really spectacular. Oh, very cool. Did um, you know you've kind of because you've been a fan so long, um, you know, do you want to share a little bit? How do you feel like the Bruce fandom has changed over the year? Um, it certainly feels like with the quote unquote internet, it's a little easier to be, you know, to interact with fans from across the country and world. But what, give me your thoughts on that. Well, it's really, yeah, it was, I mean, going back to before, um, before the internet, you know, before the reunion tour, I was just sort of a solo, I was just sort of a solo, I mean, I I went to many concerts by myself because nobody else liked Bruce Springsteen, nobody else liked Bruce Springsteen. And, you know, sometimes I would talk to people or sometimes I wouldn't talk to people, but I really didn't um, know people. And I was a little bit low tech, so I wasn't big on the, um, on the trading of the shows and things like that. So I, uh, it wasn't until the news groups came around and, um, and where it became a lot easier to um, burn CDs and stuff that I got kind of active, active in that. Um, and developed this, you know, developed this network of friends. I mean, back during the reunion tour, it was crazy because on the on-sale days, we would give each other complete strangers, for the most part, um, our credit card numbers. You know, people would be, you know, people would have these backdoor numbers or somebody would get through on um, on an, on some number and we would just give, we would just give each other credit card numbers. There was just such a... Um, there was such a deep sense of trust, and there's there's still there still is. I mean, I got burnt once on tickets. I um, sent them to someone, and um, I can't even remember the details. But only you know, but only once. Usually, it was um, you know everybody just wanted to um, everybody just wanted to help each other. Um, it's interesting because during the reunion tour. Everybody was so close, you know. Everybody was so co- everybody was so close, and um, it'd been so long since the E Street Band had been back together. Right. So um, it was like we were going to be together forever. But then, um, you know, life start life started happening, yeah. and um, so it really wasn't like uh, it really wasn't like we were um, in that, you know, um, I. 
when was it? My 2004, I remarried. And um, while I still go to shows, I just didn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't go to, I couldn't go to as many shows. I couldn't really, (laughs) you know, suddenly, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all about, it wasn't all about me anymore. Right. Um, But then um, I think I also, and and that was one of the reasons you were going to have me on the show. And then in 2000 and, in 2006, I got breast cancer, mm-hmm. and that was a um, that was a big um, setback. But at the same time, I had this huge community of people all pulling for you know pulling for me. So um, right. it really was. Um, what it's it's really inter- it's really interesting the friendships because while they're because while I don't see these people as often as as I used to, right. um, we're still at a certain level. We're all, um, tied together. Mm-hmm. Did, um, were there, well, and kind of not just during your battle, uh, with breast cancer, but were, is there songs that have meant a lot to you that, that kind of given you strength? Did you have, you know, I, I hear from a lot of people, you know, uh, no surrender is something that they use as kind of a, you know, retreat, no surrender as a battle cry. How about you? Was there a song of uh, that you had that was helping you or that you kind of used? Well, let's see. I mean, at one point, at one point in time, no surrender, really the drums and no, mostly the, of the drums and no surrender, um, really, um, really gave me a lot of strength. Um, and then later, um, when I, because then a whole bunch of other stuff happened, and then my husband, my husband, um, right after I had breast cancer, my husband got leukemia and then he died. So, and that was right at the time I was going through breast cancer, right when Danny was going through his cancer. Mm. So, um, I went to a lot of shows and, um, while we were both, um, going to treatment. And then my husband got, we were living down in Palm beach when Clarence died. My husband had just died in January and Clarence died in May or June, but it was just, you know, a couple of months after I was still, I was still in a fog. And, um, so coming back from that, you know, and then, and there was a lot of financial wreckage and everything that was tied to, you know, these back to back illnesses. So then my, Latter my latter day um, battle cry um, was wrecking ball. Was wrecking ball. Um, I yeah. love love wrecking ball. And um, and then my song. My um, you know a lot of people were like Bobby Jean isn't a real favorite for a lot of people, but I started noticing. And again, this is where like our paths. Where I just feel like Bruce and I are just. Um, always seem to be um sort of in the same sort of in the same place um at the same time as you just start playing Bobby Gino and and that kind of became a song um to my dead people my husband but yeah. and also because I, I you know a lot of the a lot of the people that I met not a lot but a good number of people that I met through the reunion tour, you know, over the past um, 15 years have passed as well. So that's a real special, that's a real special song for me as well. And it's becoming more special because I noticed in the, um, 
in this last tour, how he really was showcasing it at the end. And I noticed that um, before the sax solo, um, mm-hmm. that Jake um, Jake like kisses his finger and, point, and points up to the sky. So that's become that's become a real special that's become a real special song for me as well. And all of those are songs that are, are not like my save, you know, are not my perennial favorites they're just songs that um that took on that took on meaning um as my life as my life changed yeah you know um there's i guess there's a um the dad rock podcast and i guess this came from someone else but they've had a couple people on that say you know my life in 10 songs and you kind of, you know, tell the story of your life in ten songs. So, and that that may not be necessarily a favorite song, but a song that, you know, gives a sense of place or a sense of, you know, what was happening in your life. You know, a couple things I wanted to mention, Amy. One, um, you know, I've always liked Bobby Jean, and when a couple times. Um, like in Louisville, I think it was, he played it after, um, you know, every, everyone had gone and, you know, he'd done shout mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, and, like, exactly. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I, I, I think it was Louisville where, you know, Max had actually given away his drumsticks and all of a sudden it mm-hmm. looked like, yeah, and, and it felt like a whole second show to me. You know, getting that one more song after you knew everything was over you know, I've said before, it's like finding a present hidden under the Christmas tree. You know, like at Christmas night, you're like, oh, my goodness, we missed one. And yeah, um, exactly. And, exactly. And such because a power. Um, the other thing is um, a guy was on Lynette Corella's podcast that she did uh, for a few she did for a while that was a Springsteen podcast and it was a guy that worked with Adam and he said that um, Heaven Will Allow was a song that meant a lot to him and he said he was fighting cancer and he would play the song especially the final verse which is now some may want to die young man young and gloriously get it straight now mister hey buddy that ain't me because I got something on my mind that sets me straight and walker proud, and I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. And he said that as he was fighting cancer, he kept playing that. You know, I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. I want everything that I have. I'm not going to stop fighting. And um, and that is not a song you would think of. Wow, that's a song that would give you you know, faith or cause like land and hope and dreams mm-hmm. is one of my favorite. And it's very much a song about, you know, believing in yourself and believing in each other and helping each other. So I, I get that, that Bobby Jean could be that for you. That's beautiful. Well, the songs are like holographs, you know, because a lot of, you know, so many of the songs are like holographs. You listen to them one way, you don't have a deep emotional connection to them. They just sound like, a rock, you know, a rock song. Yeah. Um, some of them I like, and I've got a couple of songs that um, I'll, I'll have to go on the record here and um, tell you that 
my least favorite Bruce Springsteen song is um, 10th Avenue Freeze Out. That song drives me insane. Um, okay. There's nothing I like about there's nothing I like about that song. But now, um, it's so funny, but because this um, this friend of mine from college who I didn't know was a big Bruce fan, him and I yeah. have been talking. He's like, I'm gonna have 10th Avenue Freeze Out played at my funeral, and I'm like, what? Like, how <laughs> could you do? You know, but the songs are just so. Um, and he grew he grew up down in the down the Jersey Shore. He actually. Um, spent time um you know surfing with bruce and things like that um awesome so he has a whole different he has a whole different you know like for me bruce is sort of like my my um shaman or something you know and for him it's like it's his um it's his um but it's it's like his buddy i don't think of bruce as like a friend you know in fact when i um went to freehold um, I went to the book signing yes. and I couldn't touch, I couldn't touch him. I had my hands in my pocket and when right. I'm in the pit, I can't touch him. I just think it's like the children of Calcutta and it's like, no, I mean, plenty of people do it and he certainly encourages it. You know, yeah. it's not like, Oh, it's bad manners or something, but it's just, he's, he's so multifaceted. I think yeah. that um, people's relationship with him is, um, is is different for me he's sort of like a shaman for some people it's like their boyfriend you know it's like their boyfriend or their you know there's it's uh, um and um he's just so many there's just so many facets to him and so many facets to his music um it really affects you know there's so many different relationships that people have with him you know amy he really is many things to many people um i do need to i i love your honesty and i love this is a safe environment telling me that you don't like 10th avenue freeze out you're i love you and i'm giving a virtual hug but it reminds me of um you know there there are a couple of songs that you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of. Like, I would not have been uh, pleased is the wrong word. I would not have been thrilled, like, at some of the shows where he played a lot of songs off the first few albums. I don't have an emotional connection to those albums. I, I have a lot more connection to stuff that after I became a super fan, you know, the rising was the line where I became obsessed. So those mm-hmm. albums since then are the ones that, you know, I, I God, hearing something from wrecking ball or high hopes or, you know, something along that line would just thrill me. So what, what I think is funny is uh, a couple months ago, there is a local, uh, Springsteen um, kind of tribute band called Thunder Road, and they're all local Dallas musicians. They're all great guys. They they do a wonderful job on playing it. And so it was me and my wife and um, my brother-in-law, who's married to my wife's sister. And so the four of us are there, and and they go into Spirit of the Night, and I um I I. I whispered to my wife, 
I don't care for this when the E Street Band is doing it. I'm going to go pee. And, <laughs> and I know that there are fans that will go, oh, my gosh, that's one of the greatest songs of all times. You know, uh, and it just it's not something that, um, you know, I, I you know. It, it's it's not like I dislike it. I mean, I think if he even played New Jersey Devil live, I would enjoy it. But right. but it just isn't something that's going to ring to me. So well, interestingly, one of his um, one of his um, what would I say the um, almost universal universally disliked songs is one of my favorite songs. And it is from one of those earlier albums, and it's Mary Queen of Arkansas. I love that song so much. I can't even. I get, and I've um, I've seen it live several. I've seen it live several times. So you must know I love it. And uh, in fact, I saw it in um, Houston in Houston during the um, during the um, reunion tour. He played okay. it in Houston, and then he played it again in New York. I thought. Um, and that is one of my favorite songs, and I bet you could not um, find um, ten people that would put that song in, in their top ten. Yeah. Um, so, what's the furthest you've traveled for a show, Amy? Well, the furthest was um, was L.A. from um, from New York to L.A. But what mm-hmm. felt like the furthest, because it was the most remote, was when I went to Fargo. Okay. Um, I went to that was um, in October or maybe the beginning of November of 1999, and it was just the tickets were so available, and yeah. that was a fabulous show because um, first of all, I would have never gone. I would have never gone to Fargo, and we stayed in, and they didn't have a especially large downtown, so we were staying in the Crown Plaza, and the band was staying there. I think Bruce flew in and out, but the band was staying there. And Clarence was in the bar, and um, it's so funny. I have Clarence's cigar. I still have it's my it's my E Street Band DNA collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, and they they were, um, but we got to spend this was the night before the show, and he and he was there, um, just in the Crown Plaza bar, and he was just hanging out talking to him. I mean, he was just fat. He was just fabulous. He was just real relaxed and the show was in a um it was an indoor thing that they used for the road they used for the rodeo um so it was huge and however it was set however it was set up and that was back when um they didn't do they didn't do the ga everyone had a seat but they had they used to call them the jailbait seats which was like the first 17 rows yeah um and then were up were up close and then like the first three rows of that row you know you could you could stage rush like really early on so this had the longest rows so almost you know half the audience was was up there was up there in the front and that was just um that was a fantastic trip um so i haven't been you know gone to the west coast several times um vegas you know i've gone several you know, three thousand mile trips, but the one that felt the furthest was um I can was imagine. The trip to Fargo. So tell me 
tell me how you ended up going to the book appearance. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I went to the book appearance because I was supposed to go to several of the stadium shows, but um, I am a whole bunch of things change. A whole bunch of things changed this summer, and I became the primary caregiver for my aged mother, and I was not able to get. I was not able to get to those shows. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was my birthday weekend, and I had to go to Atlanta for a business meeting, and then I had was going to Louisville to see my because my son lives in Louisville, and um, I was going there for my birthday. We were going to see the Lumineers, um, who actually have a Bruce connection, which I didn't. I didn't. You know, it's interesting. Like I find these bands of you know new bands that I like and um they usually have some sort of um Bruce connection either Bruce mentions them or they cover Bruce song um and they cover my city of room and then um I was go the morning of those the morning that the tickets became available I was just on Facebook and someone just sent me a message with the link because the links weren't the links weren't working and I popped on and I got a ticket and I was like, I'm going, I'm just, I'm going because mm-hmm. I hadn't ever met. I've gone to some of the like Christian Ann Carr things. Um, when I used to live in New York, I used to go down to the stone pony a lot, but people used to get a long face on a lot on sad look or on their face when they would see me at the stone pony. Cause they were like, Oh my God, Amy's here. And means Bruce is not showing up. Right. And invariably, um, that would be the case. Um, one time he did. One time he was there, but there was like a it was a Clarence show, and he was there. And I did actually. I broke I broke one of my own rules because I did like I grabbed him by the arm and I said, "Bruce, thanks for everything." Not not grab him, but just yeah. you know, kind of like this. Uh, and um, but then the place got eva- then the place got evacuated and. Um, and he moved to say Bruce, Bruce went home and there was no bomb. But anyway, right. so I had never really, I had never had it. I had talked to Pat, I talked to Pat, I talked to most everybody in the band at one point in time. Talked to Patty, um, talked to Steve, talked to Nils, talked to all, yeah, all of them, but no, but no Bruce. Okay. And it was like, well, it's just, cheap, you know, I'm just, go, I'm going, I'm going. And, um, so I ended up, I was in Louisville, and then I wasn't sure. I had rented a car so that at any point in time when the driving got to be too much, I could, like, ditch the car and and fly. But then, like, Louisville was close enough. I was like, I'm just going to drive. I'm just going to drive, which was, you know, which sure. ended up fine. What I did not anticipate, <laughs> and then I decided I was going to drive after the meeting of I can't tell you how intense it was it was just um I should back up a little bit so I drive to New Jersey and then I was um meeting two friends of mine um Deb Rothenberg who's a photographer she does a lot she did a book of um of Bruce she used to um live down at the shore and she used to photograph them for many years when um around the shore and things like that and her um okay on track, she was um, the carousel. The carousel that was that was her that was her picture, and she worked okay. for the Daily News. So 
her and another friend of mine, um, Amy Kaplan, um, who's like a super fan. She actually um, danced with them at um, Madison Square Garden, dancing in the, you know, the dancing in the dark. She's a big um, he gets a big he gets a big kick out of her. Cause she's just a jovial, right. fun person. So the three of us. Um, so I drove to, I drove to Freehold. And the three of us, you know, went on the tour. We had um, Stan Goldstein's book, and we're, like, going to all the houses and um, all the different houses. And we saw the um, Pornhorn fire truck and um, went out to the beach and yeah. um, went to – didn't spend that much time in Asbury Park because we had all had spent a good – amount of time in Asbury Park over the years, but just some of, you know, some of the other places and just had a great time and then um, went over to the Barnes and Noble and there was already people waiting online. So um, we wanted to get there early, but we didn't want to camp out all night. So anyway, so we got up at like five o'clock. We were there by like five o'clock and we were in the first 20 people. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Um. It was so exciting. It was just so exciting. Like all of a sudden, you know, it was, I've got to say, um, the Barnes and Noble people, they did a great, I was just expecting, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't think it was going to, um, I didn't think it was going to be good. Uh, you know, it was reminiscent of some of the GA experiences and right. stuff where you just get in tramp over and everything, but nothing like that at all. They had it so well organized and they made sure that, the one woman, you know, they brought us like, they brought us into the store, mm-hmm. brought the book, and then they let us stay because we were the first twenty. They let us stay in, stay in the right. store. They brought us like folding chairs. Then they were like, "Oh well, you know, he's going to be here a little bit early. Got there like an hour and a half early." Um, so she said, "If you want to go out to the car and you know freshen up or whatever, mm-hmm. um, put some makeup on since you got your picture taken and everything." Um, so they gave us sufficient time to do that. And then all of a sudden, there he was. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I already knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of time. And right. I had been practicing what I was going to say. So that's, um, hang on. I, I want to talk to you a little about that. So you you kind of knew, right, that it's just going to be quick. And so you said you're practicing. So when you say practice, had you written out something? Had you discussed? Have you like actually sat down with a stopwatch and you know practice what you were going to say? Yep. That well, I had that drive. I had a ten-hour drive. I practiced. I practiced okay. in the um because I wanted to. Um, I wanted to. Well, this friend of mine wanted me to tell him this whole great big story about Clarence selling Christmas trees. I knew that wasn't. I knew that wasn't going to work. Right. So um, I I tossed that and I thought, well, that one will be good because then I'll be like in, you know, I'll be like friend of Bruce, friend of Bruce, because this is like, you know, yeah, um, from his um, personal. But it just I I couldn't get I couldn't get it out in two sentences. So I I abandoned that and I just went for the mutual birthday. I said, Bruce, it's uh, my birthday was on my birthday was on Friday. I said, "Well, we're what happens when we're what happens when people drink too much on New Year's Eve, because it's like nine months from okay. New Year's Eve." But even that, in retrospect, there was so much going on 
I don't think he got the se- I don't even think yeah. he got the second part. So he, you know, so he didn't really know what to make of me because I had my hands in my pocket. And most of right. them, and they all want to like, you know, take his hand have him or kiss him. It's like, why yeah. is this one? got, you know, it's like, um, so he did the point, he did the point thing. He, um, he did the point thing that he does. And he said, yeah. Oh yeah, birthdays and pointed, but I was so, um, starstruck that um that I didn't that I didn't point back um and then it was over and I was just shaking 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 for like after then there was a whole bunch of my friends in different places in the line so I you know I hung around the Barnes and Noble and out in the parking lot for you know maybe like an hour an hour and a half it moved very very quickly but then I didn't even want to I was so blown away by it all. I didn't even want to be with other people. I just went out to Asbury Park by myself and um, just walked, you know, just walked around. It was a beautiful day, beautiful day at the beach. And then I tried to like, I tried to drive. I mean, I was, I needed to drive back to Florida, Sure. but I was just so like starstruck. Like um, when I got to Washington D.C., I went around the um, I went around the Beltway twice. I was just like lost. It took me like I was supposed to be back in Florida the next afternoon for for something. Um, so I really needed to like drive efficiently, and um, I was just so like in La La Land. Yeah, I kept I kept getting I kept getting lost, and then I was like. Um, so it took me two and a half days to get, there was some bad weather too, but it took me two and a half days to get home because I was just so starstruck by the whole thing. I was just so, my, it was like my life was never going to be the same because his aura was just, and his energy was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And, um, and I've certainly come down and, you know, mm-hmm. work again and things like that. But it took me, it took me two days, it took me two days to get back to normal just from that 10 second interaction. Did, um, did, were you happy with what you, you know, kind of told him? Do you, do you feel? Oh, yeah, I was happy, you know, okay. I was, I was, I was happy because it was just, you know, I, um, it's so funny because I'm Facebook friends with Patty, I'm Facebook friends with Patty's brother, um, Michael, and, and when it was, and it's his birthday, September 23rd as well. Okay. So one, so not this year, but last year, he writes on my Facebook wall, happy birthday. It's my brother-in-law's birthday too. Yeah. Well, tell your brother-in-law. I said, yeah, we should all have a party together. (laughs) That's awesome. So just to like, you know, so just to be able to tell Michael's brother-in-law that Mm -hmm. um, I too was in the birthday club. Um, it, well, you know, because anything else, you know, I remember one time I went to one of the Christmas shows and VH1 was out, you know, it was, it was like a nor'easter and they had us lined up on the boardwalk and um, I'm a pretty big girl, but I almost got like blown over. It was so windy and VH1 was out there and I was like, oh, Bruce Springsteen wrote the, wrote the soundtrack of 
of my life, and that was on VH1. But, you know, how many people, that was one of the things that, especially after reading the book and, you know, and hearing these interviews and stuff about his struggles with depression and, you know, and seeing that, you know, he's not, that he's a, a little bit introverted. I was like, I wanted to go up there and just, you know, um, tell him something, you know, like, yeah. Well, I mean, I certainly, you know, the thankful, oh, I'm so thankful. And, I, you know, how many people, how many people say all that? So I just wanted, I wanted yeah. to um, say something that was going to separate, separate me from the crowd. Um, so, yeah, it was fine. But I, a lot of people are like, don't say anything, just focus on the picture. And um, in the picture that they took with, because you would go up and, mm-hmm. um, they would start handing their, they had like an assembly line and they would just hand your um, phone off to, down the phone. I'm like, where's my phone go? You know, so yeah. the picture that they took with my phone, my mouth was wide open because I was busy talking to him. But fortunately, because I was in the first 20, um, the news media was still there. Mm-hmm. And between my friend Deb and then also Getty Images, I got some other pictures that ha- where my mouth is closed okay, um, good. and I'm smart or, you know, it's smiling. So I mm-hmm. ended up, but I had people who have done this before said, don't say anything because you're going to, you know, you're going to get a goofy looking picture and what you really want is the good picture. So um, uh, I was yeah. fortunate that I got I don't know if I'd agree with that. I'm not to argue with your friends. I, I would want to say I would want to be something a little you know, I, I'm well, glad have you met him. have you ever had a chance to I have never had a chance to met him. Um I've thought a lot about what I would have said and um you know I certainly could thank him for this podcast and because of this podcast i have met you know dozens if not close to hundreds of people who love his music and i feel like part of a larger family because of this and i've Mm -hmm. been blessed to tell help people tell their springsteen stories um and but i true and you know and i so i think though what i would have told him is um last year I spent nine months unemployed and I relied on Better Days and Land of Hope and Dreams almost daily as my mantra, my inspiration to keep moving. And for that, I will be forever grateful and I love you. And I think that's what I would have told him. Mm-hmm. You know, Um not because he needs to hear it, but because I need to say it. Right. Um, did you write him something? Because I know there was a box. Well, there. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you. It's interesting that you mentioned that the writing, because um, my friend had given me these pictures from um, the you know after they got kicked out. You know when his parents moved to California. Mm-hmm. And then they were living in the ha- in this family house for a while, but then they got kicked out. And that's and this was when Tinker West was managing them. They used to yeah. sleep in the surf shop. So I had these pictures that my friend had given me from the surf shop that he wanted me to give to Bruce. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, and they were saying, oh, well, we're collecting, you know, if you have gifts, gifts, bears, gifts for Bruce. So yeah. I had left the, I had left, it was all getting too confusing and I was getting so, so nervous that, um, I just like bail, I just bailed on the pictures, except this woman said, go out to your car. You know, you can go out to your car and put makeup on. So, um, when I went out to the car, I got the pictures and I got a piece of graph paper and I had a birthday card, but that was like in my hotel room. So I, but I had this graph paper, you know, with the, um, with the, you know, with the lines in both directions. Yeah. And I was so, and in like five minutes, I just started writing, I just started writing all this, this whole great big thing to him about how he had, how he was always there for me about, um, you know, about just alter, alter time. And then, you know, Danny and then Clarence, and then Clarence, um, dying. and then I just started writing them like all this advice. Yeah. <laughs> Like, said, you know, I know that you're like me, you're an empath and you're an introvert. So, you know, after you do all this, you know, go home and take a lot of um, apple cider vinegar and Epsom salt baths to like detox from all of mm. the, um, because by then I had, you know, I the depression thing and stuff. I said, I got to tell you, I think a lot of your depression is because you're an empath, right? I'm like, just writing this stuff like it was. Um, and then I was able to write what I really always wanted to tell him because when I saw him in Tampa in 2014, um, you know, he was deeply affected by Clarence's death, as we all were. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Can you imagine being him? I can yeah. you imagine being him and um, and right before they played We Are Alive, he said. The dead are always talking to us, and we are at our best when we listen. Yes. So um, after my husband died, I got kind of involved in um, mediumship and stuff like that. I went to some mediumship development and things okay. like that. And I'm, a, I'm also a big proponent of, um, of talking to the dead. So I reminded him, I reminded him of, um, of when he said that, and he said, you know, um, yeah. So anyway, so I got to write him this. It just came, it just came pouring out, and it was like advice to myself of how to be on this, um, how to be on this crazy, um, on this crazy book tour, which I got to believe was not his idea, because by the time I saw, you know, the pictures of him, like in New York. He had this look, kind of deer in the headlight look, you know, okay. because it's a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy to absorb. Yes, it is. A lot of, and all these people, because we're so connected, you know, we're we're yeah. so connected. Absolutely. And um, there's just a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy to absorb. So yeah. that was a, and that was a lot of that was a lot of. Um, answer to your last question no, no, but, no, yeah. that's great. so that's I wrote awesome. him a big long I wrote him a big long note about and then I got to write about the surfing part and I said you need to spend more time in the salt water and um and you know try try to get to you know try to get some time you know get some time away and get to the ocean and stuff like that and then when I read the book and I saw how important the ocean has been to him all yeah. through time especially in some of his darkest points um i was like wow that's cool 
small that, form. That is awesome, yeah. Amy. This is this is so wonderful. I, I just I appreciate it. What's funny, listeners, is before we hit record, Amy said, um, so how long does this normally take? And I said, depends on your stories. So that answers your question, Amy. We're almost <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> so um, thank you. This is wonderful. I, I appreciate it so much. Um, I'm going to have to have you on again, and you're going to have to tell uh, the Clarence selling Christmas tree story. Yeah, yeah, I've okay. got, um, I think it's, I, I really hope, you know, it would be awesome if you could get um, Tinker West on your, um, because, you know, so much of the, I just find that part of the book, the early, early days, yeah. so interesting, and he's got some great story, you know. That would be and wonderful. He'd be a great, and he'd be a good person, he'd be a better person, I'm just telling it, I'm just telling it secondhand. But well, um, but maybe closer to the anniversary of the um, of the big Albany party, I can get some of the Albany oh, people. Um, you know, and we can sure because we can do you know we can um, we can do a different we can do a Zencaster or we can you know people with Skype we can do something we could do an interview so that'd be fun. Um, thank you, Amy. This is amazing. Um, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Are you on Twitter? Well, I'm on fa I'm on Facebook. Okay. And um I am on Facebook and let me see what my um I can't Oh yeah. I'm Amy R Maid, like a mermaid. Amy R Maid. Okay. A M Y R Maid nine twenty three. Like our mutual birthdays on okay. Facebook. And I'm the only Amy Cavanaugh that's a um it's, my occupation says mermaid at Weezy Watchy Gardens, which isn't a hundred percent true, but I did go to mermaid camp. And I it says I'm a mermaid mom, grandmother, hospice worker, and heavenologist. Okay. So I'm pretty easy to find I'm pretty I'm pretty easy to find. And I pretty will put the link in the um in in my show notes. So you can reach out to her. And is that your right. lovely And then the, my email as well is amyarmaid at gmail.com. So and, is, um, and is this your lovely photo in the profile? Yep. Very nice. That is awesome. That is so good. All right. Um, hang there while I do a little bit of business. If you want to join me on the podcast like Amy has and talk about Bruce and all that implies, send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook page, setlustingbruce, and Twitter at setlustingbruce. I'm personally at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter and Jesse Jackson in Louisville, Texas on Facebook, reach out to me, and you can join me to share your story. I'd also appreciate if you'd go to iTunes and rate and review us. It helps people find us. Amy, you are a doll and a joy, and I am so honored and happy you joined me. And we're oh, gonna... this was great fun. Thank oh, you so thank much. You. And so what sweet. a great day, because today is actually Boston's day. And yeah. I don't know about you, but my only boss, much to my the person who writes my paychecks dismay, my only boss is Bruce Springsteen. I will tell a very quick story. Uh, my boss, um, before I flew to New York at the end of August to attend uh, a show, he said um, – 
you're taking another vacation? I said, yeah, you know, I, I started this new job in last December, but they gave me three weeks of vacation. And he said, um, well, I understand, but I, I just can't understand you taking a vacation day for somebody you've already seen once. And I didn't want to tell him that was the fifth show I'd seen of that tour. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's just keep that off the radar. So he doesn't need, you know, you either get it or you don't. Right, Amy? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You either you either get it or you don't. And yes. I think it's funny because my mother, after I missed the show, she's like, you really do need to go to freehold yeah. because I think now my family even gets if I get if I get too squirrely um the only thing that's going to um peel me off the ceiling is um is Bruce Absolutely. but anyway thanks so much for that's okay me be on. this was a lot of fun well I'm glad we're going to end with maybe you'll be out there on that road somewhere in some mm-hmm. bus or train traveling along in some motel room there'll be a radio playing and you'll hear me sing this song well if you do you know I'm thinking of you and all the miles in between and I'm just calling you one last time not to change your mind but just to say I miss you, baby. Good luck. Goodbye. Bobby Jean. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Amy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. I'm standing in the backyard listening to the party inside. Tonight I'm drinking in the forgiveness as life provides. Scars we carry remain, but the pain slips away, it seems. Oh, won't you, baby, be in my book of dreams? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.